Welcome to the podcast of the fabulous Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Jacqueline Thornhill, and I am honored to serve as the 97th president. Our club focuses on youth, children's literacy, and we support our active duty military and veterans. We meet on Thursdays at Lowry's at noon. For more information, please visit LasVegasRotary.com or follow us on Facebook at Las Vegas Rotary Club founded 1923, where you can watch a live stream of our weekly meetings. Please enjoy this week's speaker. Thank you, President Jackie. Um, you know, it's interesting when you learn something about someone and then you do a little homework or some research on it, it really kind of is uh, a mind blower, you might say. The website says prescriptive music for mental health. Hmm. So Judith has performed on the violin with symphonies worldwide and on the strip with Natalie Cole, Elton John, Metallica, and many others. Obviously, she's a star performer. Accidental discovery of the healing properties and protocol for, or excuse me, from music has made her realize her passion and true calling in life. As founder and owner of Music for Life, Judith has helped over 11,000 people in the past six years. She's the first recipient of the AFLAC ACM, which is American Country Music Awards, Lifting Lives Honor. I'm honored to present our very own Las Vegas member and today's speaker, Judith Pinkerton. What an honor to be with you today. So this is going to be a real casual conversation, starting off with what my strip work was all about. <laughs> so uh, 31 years ago, on the 1st of January, I moved from Anchorage, Alaska, down to Las Vegas, courtesy UNLV, <laughs> and immediately got into the music scene down here. And when I got my first Las Vegas show, it was with Frank Sinatra, and I was so excited when I went to a party. It's like I walked up to the person and said, I got my first strip job. <laughs> they looked at me and went, huh? <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 not that. That's <laughs> uh, kind of how we refer to it in the music community, <laughs> working on the strip. Um, so with that, I'll show you what uh, a strip job actually looks like. Uh, that's uh, one of the entertainers I worked with, um, but that's... That's a strip job. <laughs> so it's got the same, those are a, about half of the people that I've actually worked with or traveled with over the years. And like any job, you have a to-do list. So my to-do list was to be able to play all those songs. Uh, on my first strip job, sight reading, never saw the charts before ever, was called in because... Frank Sinatra got extended, and so some violinists had to leave, so I got called in. My big opportunity. You're put on the stage, no rehearsal, mic on your violin, reading charts for the very first time, and you can't make a mistake. So as you look at what's required for jobs to be a show violinist in town, you have to have the attire. <laughs> so depending, it's either black, all black, or it's all white. Um, you have to have a skill level, which means that you can sit down and just play anything on site. Uh, you have to have an attitude, 
where you say yes to anything. Almost. And I'll, <laughs> there's qualifiers to that. <laughs> and I'm not, we don't have time to go into that. Um, performance evaluation is always every second. Because if you miss a note, you might not get back, asked back again. So thinking about that for yourself, you know, and, and job requirements, it's just another job. Um, and it, it gets to the point where you think it's all glorified, and yes, you kind of get into that. But after I did it for a couple decades, it was like, ah, you know what? I'm really realizing that I need to transform here because this is no longer fun for me. So I had to look at that first question of what do I stand for? So I'd already been called a therapeutic musician uh, when my solo violin music replaced medication in a hospital in Anchorage. Uh, that's when I went, oh, I want to do that for the rest of my life. But when I got down to Las Vegas and saw the glitz, I went, well, I want to try that too. <laughs> so I finally got to the point where reading charts and playing for major entertainers was really not that fun anymore. And so I had to look at what do I really want. I want to do something that's going to make a difference. It's going to help heal people. And that's what I started growing into. So I had to get out of that work and start looking at what else I was going to do. So when you look at positive stress and negative stress, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, right? I don't know. Is this good stress <laughs> or is this bad stress? So it's, it's difficult kind of to look at that. So looking not only at that question, but then being able to identify, well, I don't know, what am I feeling right now? You know, so I, as I'm up on the, the podium, you know, playing with other violinists, I was going through these things in my own mind. <laughs> what, what about this is going on for me? Emotional fluidity. Am I able to, uh, when I feel anxious, angry, depressed, or sad, get out of it pretty quickly or not? How am I able to shift through my moods? And then, how am I able to regulate my moods? What does that look like? How can I control my moods? And then ultimately, how can it actually improve my emotional intelligence? All of these are connected in the programs at Music for Life. So amazing to think about looking at all of those line items and how they are included and we're making a difference in people's lives every second. We're empowering that many people across the globe with Music for Life programs. So truly at Music for Life, it's where music is medicine. Um, music for Life is being used by a lot of people across the country and outside country. Um, I actually started coining the phrase a long time ago and have trademarked it, so I need an attorney probably at some point to influence others to join the ranks with us and do what we're doing. I want to qu quiz you about postcard that is on your table, you'll see that it says, is your music toxic? I'm going to be presenting some information that I learned last month at Shepherd Air Force Base when I trained airmen there in this whole protocol. And we looked seriously at this course. So they had to do three courses with me. This was the very first one they did. Is your music toxic? So to start, I'm going to find out if this piece of music that I'm going to play for you is toxic for you or not. So I'm going to be asking you some questions. So study hard while I play here 
So I'm going to put this phone down. You want to... I'll introduce you to Zodkiel. <laughs> Zodkiel is um, old. <laughs> His birthday is 1867. He was born in England. And he's been with me for a while, but not as... In, I didn't get him when he was born. Jerry. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to push play on this. And... So my question for you is, did anybody feel unsettled from it? Be honest. Okay, thank you for your honesty. Okay, all right. Anybody feel uh, like getting up and dancing? <laughs> I think we have some belly dancers in the room. <laughs> And anybody feel peaceful from it, soothed? Okay. So notice the differences in your responses, and everybody is correct. So this is about really understanding, I don't know, what's going on for me? How am I connecting to music, and how is the person next door to me connecting to music? And you're both right. So this is building an empathy differently than what you would normally find in other programs, in that if the music is toxic... It means that it could be fueling you, uh, distress and you don't know it. You think it's eustress. So it starts getting really complicated. Whoops, did we just lose it? 
So while you're trying to fix the problem, I'll shift into what happened at Shepard Air Force Base last month. Uh, Colonel Kevin McCall uh, was Major McCall when I met him at Nellis Air Force Base 15 years ago. And we met um, because he was really interested in looking at how music therapy, music medicine, all of that might be able to assist mental health for active duty and keeping themselves safe in the theater, arming them with tools. So the commander of the security forces had me actually come in and do projects with his security cops before they got deployed. Uh, Major McCall at the time went to Afghanistan and did a survey over there to find out, gee, do they really listen to music while they're gone? Yes, they do. Hmm. Fast forward now, Major McCall is Colonel McCall, and he is the actual commander of the medical group at Shepherd Air Force Base. And he and I have stayed in touch all of these years. So he familiarized the community support coordinator, Mike Badalino, about this protocol. Mike took the music medicine boot camp, went, oh my God, I can see how this would be so important for our troops to be able to understand what you have to bear for them. And so he had me uh, come in and do the study with them. So we called it a pilot project. And in this pilot project, the 66 airmen, and they were all crew chiefs. So Mike Badalino used to be a crew chief, and he actually developed his curriculum for Shepherd Air Force Base and is their community support coordinator. What's interesting also about Mike is that <laughs> he has won the title several times as being the strongest man in Texas, pulling fire engines. <laughs> So, so Mike's my buddy, <laughs> and he just loves all of this protocol. So you can imagine what he might be listening to when he's working out. Anybody have a clue what he might listen to while he's working out? When I went into his gym, which is his garage and the driveway and the road, <laughs> there he has people working out, as you can imagine, they have cars, they have all sorts of things that's part of their lifting requirements. Five-finger death punch. Yes, right? Anybody like five-finger death punch? Yeah. <laughs> Great workout music, actually. But that's a whole other thing. We only have so much time that we can go into all of this. What I want you to know about this training, these are the stats that we came up with. 92% of them actually learned something from the e-courses and stated, this is how my life is going to change. These are the music strategies that I've learned. And then there's a whole list of what they came up with that they got out of it. And it's really interesting because you can look at one airman's comment and go, gee, did you take the same course as this person did? Because there's that much volume of content and individualization that occurs with it. They reported they you know, learned these new life skills, um, that they learned new coping strategies. One thing you may know about the military is that they don't want to admit that they might have a mental health issue. And what I've discovered with the music medicine protocol is they have no hesitation and let me know where they're at. And then what can we do about it? So I actually had an airman um, that came up during the training. So after they did three courses, um, I said, okay, let's demonstrate this. 
who's got a song that's stuck in their head? So this one here was, I do, you know. So I said, okay, let's play it. So he came up and we played the song. And <laughs> I'm looking down through it because this is a typical group uh, music therapy session that I'll do <laughs> that the patients just love. And we find out what is living in the heart and the mind of the person. So this is what happens. <laughs> He's on stage with me listening to the music, and I'm going through the lyrics. So the song is about the Sandy Hook shooter incident. So the words are about that. The music itself is very happy and energizing. And his response was that he was melancholy because it brought up a memory for him from high school. And this was the song that he and his buddies listened to, and they were having a great time, and he had no idea what the words meant. He didn't pay attention to all the words. It was just the energy of the music. But he was melancholy because he knows that he is never, ever going to have that experience again because some of those people are no longer alive, and it'll never be like that, and that's where his melancholiness came from. So this is the kind of deep dive that you go into looking at music and how can you understand what it might be saying about you and then how do you use this protocol to be able to shift yourself from there. So we actually create music medicine pills. So Music for Life is actually changing the culture of how music is created and how it is consumed. So this protocol has been researched and developed by myself since 1986. Um, mood regulation, self-regulation, emotional regulation is what it teaches and supports people doing. And we've discovered through studies that we've done uh, with patients that it actually improves emotional intelligence. And you may know that emotional intelligence is highly desired in occupational settings now. When I was working with over 11,000 patients in substance abuse treatment centers, I decided to do a survey of 603 of those patients experiencing the exact same music medicine pill. And we discovered that 94% of them said that it had actually improved their emotional intelligence after one listening, 30 minutes. 91 said it improved their moods. So it's kind of like, okay, so how come they're not the same number? If you look at the 12 statements that indicates emotional intelligence, one of those that's very indicative of those that are in detox is recognizing how their behavior has affected others. And so they could start really feeling the unsettledness of that and actually not feel so great when they get done with the pill because now all of that is starting to come forward. The treatment teams that I work with love this because I take down the emotional barriers so that they can actually start working on whatever the issues are. Um, see if you can see the baby. Ah, I had to put her in there someplace. These are real pictures. <laughs> These are real pictures of um, a variety of people that have benefited and have done testimonials on how this works. And you can see uh, a lot of the military folk that we worked with last month. So I ask you this question. Do you want to improve your own situation? And how could you do that? You know, what do you stand for? 
what do you really want and how can you make a difference? And I'm asking you to just take courses and understand what this is about and spread the word. Because what happens is people not understanding what eustress and distress is could be fueling. So that toxic card that you've got, this is what I've discovered in working with so many people, is that there's a misinterpretation of energies. They think that they're energized all the time when it's actually anger. Or that they're excited all the time when it's actually anxiety. Or that they're calm all the time when it's actually depression. And then what happens with our music listening habits is that we usually push play on music that we feel like listening to in the moment, right? So if you're feeling actually anger or anxiety or depression, you're thinking it's energizing you know, or calming, you're going to be calling the music that and you're going to be fueling those moods and they are indeed danger zones. So we also have a course called Danger Zones that the troops went through that talks about this topic and how do you look at being able to discern, I don't know, am I in a danger zone or not? Because the first clue that you're in the danger zone is that you're in denial that you're in the danger zone. So how do you figure it out, right? So one of the things that we discovered with the troops is that they actually changed their music listening habit frequency. Some would say they always listen to music like 24-7. That's an indication you might be stuck in the, what I call the chronic unsettled comfort zone. So if you're listening to music 24-7 or you're finding that you've got a song stuck in your head or anything like that where you're seeing that you're, there's a repetitive behavior going on with music, it's there to tell you a message. So this protocol is all about training you about how to decode what the message is so that you can make the music work for you instead of possibly fueling distress. And it can also fuel you stress, that positive stress as well, and keep you in a positive momentum. So we have so many resources for you. You just go to one site and it takes you to the, all the rest of them. We do have a, a special for you. If you want to get that free quiz on emotional intelligence, that's the URL that you can go to and be able to access it and see, I don't know, what are those 12 statements for emotional intelligence? What is that? What does that mean? So I know that we have got plenty of time for Q&A because I want to hear what you have to say. Questions? Yes. Hi there. Sorry. Um, do you have to have a degree to teach this kind of thing or is it just something that you self-taught yourself? So I am a licensed board-certified music therapist. So Arizona State University is where I got my equivalency in music therapy. Um, and then you have to pass the national board exam. And then in the state of Nevada, you actually have to get a license to practice. Yeah, so it's pretty intense. Um, normally, the trajectory is a four-year degree, bachelor's degree, and then a six-month internship site. So I have an approved internship site where I have students from all over the country that will come and study with me for six months full-time and then be able to pass their exam and then be able to practice as a music therapist. Yeah, so it's not just, let me take a weekend course and start doing this. However, we do have training courses at our Music for Life website where you can do the music medicine protocol, which is music therapy informed. 
and you can do more with that so that you can check that out as well. Yeah, quick. Uh huh. I'm right here. I'm right here. Yeah. Hi. I'm so glad you presented today. I have a problem. I get a lot of what I call earworms. So I have like the same song playing in my head like for a long time. It could be like all day long. And I try to get rid of it. It ticks me off. And I try to think of another song that I like better. So how do I get rid of these earworms? How much time do we have? <laughs> Am I sick? It's 1.15 right now? Okay. <laughs> no, I was, I was going to um, actually play one of your songs. And we were going to, like, go for it. <laughs> but I don't think we have time to do that. Um, right. But what happens is you, you pay attention to what is this song that is stuck in my head. Is it describing my life right now or my life in the past or the life that I really want? Or is it bringing up a memory? So kind of got, got to discern that. And you look at two things with the song. If it's got words, look at the words and see if you connect with the words. And I have so many people that will say, oh, I don't pay any attention to the words. Oh, I didn't know they were saying that. <laughs> so when you say it's an earworm, what concerns me is that it's playing over and over in your head and uh, the words may be steering your life subliminally. So, Yeah. Yeah, and we have that kind of thing at, on one of our, we have a music medicine club that has diaries that you can use. Yeah, so it's, and once you're able to discern what the message is that it's wanting to give you, it goes away. It's magic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah call me later. We can discuss a particular song if you want. Yeah. Um, why when you go to Disneyland or Disney World, does It's a Small World play in your head? For the next, you know, year. <laughs> and what does that say, right? <laughs> so, okay, so I got, you're going to, you're going to find that I'm pretty <laughs> intuitive, so I'm having some stuff come in. Um, <laughs> one of the things that occurs to me, uh, remembering my last trip to Disney World was that, man, it truly is a happy place. I mean, <laughs> everybody's happy because you can go into the stores, you can go anywhere else, right, <laughs> outside of Disneyland or Disney World, and you don't really find all that there. So now you've got It's a Small World going on that's describing this place that you really are connecting to and really liking because it's happy, and so possibly the earworm is reminding you about what you're taking home with you and you're hoping to replicate in your own small world. Ha, huh? see, does that work? <laughs> so then you just look, yeah, you just look at how you can replace it with something else. <laughs> yes. I truly believe that music um, affects me personally. Um, the songs that I choose to listen to, the melodies I choose to listen to that can be very calming. Um, what you put in your head... I think has a direct impact on uh, often as to what you do, how you, how you behave, how you express yourself. So I choose, um, my wife and I choose Christian music a lot. And in the evening, uh, soundscapes are something that's soothing and, and encouraging. 
I am very critical of some of the music that's being played these days and that you hear in a car beside you when he's got 77 decibels going. And it is upsetting and it is disturbing and I think it would adversely affect that person's personality. Am I right? <laughs> okay, therapist, here you go. <laughs> so as, as you learn about this protocol, you're going to find that there's three mood categories that are called USE. The music that you're talking about probably falls in that U category of unsettled. The S category is soothed. The E category is energized. And together it spells use, how to use music for health. But it's the three mood categories that identify our broad emotional continuum. And so you're right and... Yeah. So in this protocol, there's a mood sequence formula that works really well with all three mood categories. So I encourage people to listen to Five Finger Death Punch if anger is an issue because it helps elicit that anger and get it out in a healthy way instead of punching a hole in the wall, right? And then there's the entrainment mechanism. It's a physics principle where it entrains the emotions and as you flow through this music medicine pill, you're, you're shifting and changing your moods that flow right along with the music. And before you know it, you've had a catharsis at the end. So what you've done is you've decided I'm just going to populate my S playlist and my E playlist and not my U playlist. The concern there for, and I'm not saying this is what's going on for you, but we, I recommend a balanced music diet, which means that you have music in all three categories so that when you feel that you stress, so for instance, I might have something that happens to me and I'm like, I don't know what I feel, I don't know what's going on with me, but I know I need to get this out. So I will open up my U playlist and I will start listening to something and go, nope, it's not that, nope, it's not that. Because you're looking at how can you entrain to the music when you connect to it, you know that it feels good. So I'll finally go, oh, that's what I'm feeling because that's what I want to listen to. <laughs> so you want to have at least one song that would make you feel angry, make you feel anxious, make you feel depressed, make you feel sad in your you playlist so that you have that whenever you need it. But you don't just listen to that. You have to do a mood sequence out of it. So it's, it's complicated and sometimes it's not. Depends on where you're at with this whole process. Yeah. Judy? Oh, I'm sorry. We only have so many, much time. <laughs> so in this military, 67% <laughs> of the airmen were ages 18 to 20. So we did an, an anapestic beat demonstration, which is found in all rap music, well, most, 99% of rap music. And the anapestic beat demonstration, which is done by Dr. Burkhart, he's a kinesiologist and a retired chiropractor, um, <laughs> he actually is on the Danger Zones uh, e-course, and the airmen did not believe what they saw him doing on that. So the next morning, we had him do the demonstrations live that showed that their muscles blow out with the anapestic beat. And they were like, they were lining up, no, it's not going to happen to me. <laughs> Every single airman, their muscle blew out. So it's, it's not saying that rap is bad, but it's being discriminating about when you use music. So are you going to use that music when you're working out if it's contrary <laughs> to building muscle? You know, why would you want to use music that, you know, interrupts that transmission signal that helps build the muscle? So anyway, so all of this is in this report that is going to the commander 
of Shepherd Air Force Base. I just had Mike call me this morning and say, you know, he talked to the medical group commander, and they're like, whoa, this report is so great. <laughs> so it's, it's significant. It's significant. And this demonstration that Dennis does is very remarkable. It had the airmen completely switching their mind around about how to think about music differently. And Judy? If I came to you and said, uh, Judy, I keep hearing the song over and over again, you ain't nothing but a hound dog, what would you recommend? It would be more than a minute conversation right now, Jerry. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> but seriously, if you do have those kinds of questions, I have a telemedicine platform. <laughs> and, and as you develop your own playlists and think about what your mood sequence formula might be and developing your own pills, which is what we were supporting the airmen doing. Um, it's an amazing protocol that can build your emotional intelligence, support you having emotional regulation, mood control, not getting stuck in anger, anxiety, depression, or sadness, and then being able to spread the word to others. Because I truly believe, my personal opinion, is that it's not about gun control, it's about mood control. That when people start getting rid of this extreme anger, depression, sadness, and anxiety, that the motive internally for wanting to do something is going to start being neutralized. So I ask you to join me in making a difference. Thank you for being here today. Don't go away yet, Miss Judith. Thank you for the fascinating information. I'm sure we're all going to be at that website that said slash rotary. Is there something special for us? What is it? <laughs> there, I think there's four different things that are options to be able to get in. Free stuff, all of that. So. Oh, I like free stuff. Yeah. We would like to present you with our Share What You Can Award, which means we are giving a donation to the local USO in your name. Thank you very much. We better get it. In the words of a woman I most admire, Amelia Earhart, no kind action ever stops with itself. One kind action leads to another. Let's leave today building connections, taking kind action, serving one another, and rejoicing in the fellowship of Rotary. Meeting adjourned. We hope you enjoyed the latest podcast from the Las Vegas Rotary Club. For more information about future meetings, membership, and our local service projects, please visit lasvegasrotary.com. Now please go out, take action, and connect the world.